All right, Genesis chapter one, verse one. We'll just be in two verses. We'll hover. Verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Amen. Um, what we're going to be doing in the next several weeks is focus. We're going to do a, a quick study um, in, the chap, in chapters one through three. We've titled this sermon series called God, God's Good Design. And, and this morning, the, the sermon topic, it's called In the Beginning. Um, and and, and here's, here's why we're doing this, right? Here, here's why we called it God's Good Design and why we're going to study um, Genesis chapter one, two, three. Um, we all have um, these two questions that we answer in our life and we answer all the time. And these are the two questions. The two questions are, who am I and why am I here? Who am I and why am I here? Right, I, I did a quick Amazon search on books and I, I typed in books on identity, who am I? Books on purpose, why am I here? And here's what I found. There are thousands of books on identity and purpose. Thousands. When I typed in self-help books, right, because, because people are always looking for, for ways to better themselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? When I, when I searched that, right, because it's all about purpose, I found there's like 60,000 books on self-help. People are craving, people desire for some reason to find their identity and find their purpose in life. Why? Why do we have to answer the question, who am I and why am I here? Have you ever asked that question of yourselves? Who are you and why are you here? But you've asked a mother, who are you? But you still say, I'm a mom. No, is that who you are? Why are you here? To be a mom. Oh, no, no. Is that your purpose in life? Or is that part of your purpose? You ask a husband, who are you? Why are you here? I'm a man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I work. I provide. Notice how I lowered my voice. <laughs> is that who you are? Or is that part of who you are? For some reason... We all ask the question sometime in our life, and many of you are still asking that question. Who am I? Why am I here? That's why we have New Year's resolutions, don't we? Think about it. How many of you have a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Okay, just me. Got it. Um, I just, I'm the only one in the room who wants to be better. Okay. Great. I mean, the reason why we have New Year's resolution, right? The reason why we all want to lose weight, eat healthy, the reason why we all want to like make more money, chase a bag, the reason why like we want to retire this year or we want to find a new job, we want to spend more time doing this, we want to travel and we want to experience this, we want to spend less money on shopping, more time with people. Why? 
Why do, we, why do we want to do that? Because at the root of it, at the heart of our hearts, right? At the very core of our hearts, we all desire to flourish. We all desire to thrive. Right? That's the root reason why. The reason why we, we, we desire to grow financially, the reason why we desire to grow in our relationships, the reason why we desire to eat healthy, to lay down the fried chicken, to eat more salads. The reason why we do that is because we want to, what? Thrive. We want to flourish. Have you ever asked yourself, why do we have that strong desire? Why do we have that strong desire to flourish? The reason why we have that strong desire is because that is how God designed us to be. You and I were designed by God. If you want to answer the question, if you want to answer the questions, who am I and why am I here? You have to go to the person who designed you to be. And the reason why we're going to spend several weeks on God's good design for us, the reason why you and I are going to spend some time in Genesis is because we all want to answer the question, who am am I and why am I here? And on the flip side, the world and the culture has already decided who we should be and our purpose. Our culture and our world has already decided what men should be, how they should look like, what women should be, how they should look like, what they should believe. The culture in the world has already decided what do we believe about marriage? What, do, what should we believe about kids? The world has already decided about our gender and our sexuality. The world has decided about our identity. And here's what we know about the world. They know nothing. If you want to answer the question, who am I? Why am I here? You have to look at God's good design for you. How God wired you to be, who he created you to be, not who the world says you are and what you have to believe. The reason why we have so many issues in our world, the reason why there's division discourse in our world, the reason why so many of us get anxious and worried about politics is because why? We found our identity and our purpose in a political candidate, political party. And I'm one of those. I'm telling you, I get fired up. You're talking to a political science major. Turn on the news and you see how fast I'll burn. I would just, I'm talking back to the commentators. Cause, why? Because I'm sinful. And if everybody would just believe what I believe, we'd be fine. (laughs) But that's not God's design. God's design for us is not to find our identity purpose in a political candidate, a political party. God's design is not for us to find our identity and purpose, right? In an acronym. In a movement. I'm going to just say it right now. I'm going to say it right now. God did not design us to find our identity and purpose in the LGBTQIA community. He did not find 
designed us to find our identity and purpose in Black Lives Matter. He did not design us to find our identity and purpose in any other organization, any movement. God designed us. Or in the feminist movement, God did not design us to find our identity and purpose in those areas. Or any other area. I, if I didn't mention one, and you're like, he should have mentioned that one, just make believe I mentioned it. <laughs> All right? He designed us to find our identity and purpose. In him. And you got, okay. You can clap. But to find that, we have to look at what the Bible says. In these two verses, this is what we see immediately. Immediately what we see in the beginning, the beginning of all creation, we see that God is the sole cause of everything that we see in this world. That means that God is the originator, the author of the design, the structure, how the world was created, where the pieces and parts go, he was the one who decided the role for men, the role for women. He decided our gender, our sexuality. He designed our purpose, our identity. And when we answer the question, who am I, why am I here? We have to go back to the author. And we go to the beginning. Notice where it says, in the beginning, God. See, Genesis chapter one isn't about how God created the world. Genesis chapter one isn't about did God create the world in six literal days? I'm six-day literal creationist. Anybody who doesn't believe in six-day creationist is not a Christian. Genesis chapter one isn't about answering the question whether or not God created the world in six days, literal days. It, Genesis chapter one isn't about did God create the world and then there's a gap between ver verses one and two and the rest of all creation? Young earth, new earth, and if you don't know those things, these are just what Christian people do on their spare time. <laughs> right? Like, Genesis chapter one isn't meant to show us how God created things, right? Because there are many questions we have to answer, right? Where are the dinosaurs? When did he create them? When did he create the angels? Did they evolve? No, Genesis chapter one is not about that. So if you're like, oh, he's gonna talk about Genesis chapter one, and we're all gonna take a trip to Kentucky and go on the little creation museum thing. No, we're not. <laughs> Here's why. Because Genesis chapter one is not about how God created the world. Genesis chapter one is this. Its sole purpose is, is that you and I will see God. That God is the creator of all things. Not how he created it, who created it. So if you're worked up about a six day literal creation, Evolution, Big Bang, where the dinosaurs, young earth, new earth, you're worried about the wrong thing. Because Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God. The whole book of the Bible is about God. It ain't about you. 
It's about God and what God's doing. So, so when we talk about design, when we want to answer the question, we're gonna get to answering those questions about who am I and why am I here? We're gonna, we're gonna answer them in ways of like dominion and multiplication, right? What does God say about marriage? What does God say about children? Should Christians have, have babies? What about Christians who decide that they shouldn't have children? Is, is that a sin? And, and what about dominion? What about climate change and animals? We're gonna talk about all those things, right? Because that's part of purpose. That's part of design. But we can't talk about those things unless we see that God is the creator of everything. And if God is the creator of everything, then God has a purpose and a design for everything. And when we have questions about design, when we have questions about purpose, when we have questions about meaning and function and order and structure, we go to who? The creator. We go to God. So, Question is, do you trust God's design? And I'm here to tell you, you should trust God's design. Trust his purpose. Trust his plan, his design. Why? Because Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, before you and I were created, there was God. God is the creator of all things. The second thing that we see in just these two verses is not only that God is the sole creator of all things, but that God brings order and structure into chaos. Think about that. God brings order and structure into chaos. Verse two, the earth was that form and void, a formless, empty world, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So God was present, God is the creator of all things, and then everything after verse two from verses three and on is to address the issue in verse two. And the issue in verse two is there is no form, there is no structure, there is no order in the world, and God is going to bring structure and order in the world. That's why verses three and on is all about addressing the problem in verse two. No structure, no order, no form, everything is formless, and God is going to what? Address verse two. He's going to bring structure and order. And here's a side note about order and structure. If God can bring order and structure into the creative world, God can bring order and structure into the chaos of sin. God can bring order and structure into a world that's full of sin. A world that you and I are sinful. God can bring order. The next thing, I want us to notice is that not only is the God the sole cause of all creation and, and when we ask questions about our identity and purpose, we have to see that God has created us with a purpose and with our identity and that God has brought order and structure to the world that we live in. He's brought order and structure to our lives and our design as men, our design as women, but thirdly, we need to see that everything God creates is good, right? If you look at verses three and on, it ends in every time God creates something, he says, it is good. And then in verse 31, when God creates man in his image, what does he say? It is very good. The point that I'm trying to make is that everything that God creates is good. How God designed you and me 
how he created us to be, our identity and our purpose is good. It's right, it's holy, and it's just. And for the people who are doubting how God created us, the people who say, no, I don't like God's design. I don't agree with God's design. What you're saying is that what God created isn't good. Six times in chapter one, he says what he created was good. And then when he created you and me, he said it was very good. We always need to keep in mind that the results of sin, the confusion, the discord, and the lawlessness of sin has caused us to see that God's design is not good. So when you're struggling, when you're doubting, whether or not God's design for a man, God's design for a woman, God's design for gender, God's design for sexuality, God's design for marriage, children, and the church, what he says is, it's good. So when you disagree with it, you have to remember that is sin clouding your judgment, sin clouding your mind. Can you honestly trust that God's design is good. And here, and, and what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that you, I'm saying that we ought to trust that God's design is good, but I'm also saying at the same time that it's very difficult because of sin. I am well aware, right, that there are parents in this room who have kids who struggle with same-sex attraction. There are families in this room who have loved ones who have five different pronouns, who have a different gender. And you ask yourself, how, how can God let that happen? Why would God let that be? And, and what I'm saying is that that wasn't God's original design. Sin has corrupted that, right? The reason why we have an LGBTQIA community is because of sin. It wasn't part of God's original design. Homosexuality, lesbianism. That's not part of God's original design. And for the record, if you're someone in this room who identifies with that community, you need to hear this, that this is a safe haven for you where you would be loved and cared for, supported in this, that we would always speak truth and love. We would walk with you in life and realize that we may not struggle with that proclivity and realize that you do, but there's hope in Jesus. And that, that, that we're not gonna reject you. We're not gonna say, hey, you don't belong part of this family because guess what? There are people in here who are struggling in their marriage that is just as bad. For some reason, the church historically has said and made it taboo that, that being a homosexual is something crazy and yet that we have adultery running rapid in our church. We have divorces running rapid in our church. When you've been married two or three times, you have no business telling somebody who's gay not to be part of the church. But, here, but here's the truth. We're, we're gonna stand on God's truth. And we're going to say that his design for men and women is biblical. And that you can't live that way. You're gonna to have to struggle for the rest of your life. But there's hope. And there's a plan. But we're gonna speak truth and love. The problem is the church hasn't spoke truth and love. Some of us are like, we need to speak truth. They need to hear it whether or not they need to hear it. Guess what? You can yell all you want, but the whole point is for them to believe in truth. And if you don't do it in love, you're not doing it the way Jesus did it. I'll stop yelling too, by the way. <laughs> New Year's resolution, Tim Murray will stop yelling. 
I'm going to start it next week. <laughs> but I, I, is that clear for everyone? We, we stand on biblical truth. God's word is inerrant. For those of you who are, who are like, oh, I don't know what Tim's saying. I'm saying God's word is without error. It's truth. You live by it. You obey it, even when you don't want to. But we're also saying that sin is a reality. Sin has corrupted the way we feel, the way we think, the way we act. And our identity is not in our gender. Our identity is not in our sexuality. Our identity is not in the movement. Our identity and purpose is not in a political campaign or political party or whatever the issue is, whatever the problem is. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And we realize that we're sinful people. And this is a hospital. And when you look around, everyone's a patient. That was my tangent. Point number four, what the world says about God's design, what the world says is good, is a lie. That's why we're doing this series. Why? Because the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything in the world, he created. Here's reason number two. Romans chapter one, everything the world says is good and what the world says about God's design is a lie. Here's why. Romans chapter one, verses 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What does Paul say? He says this. The world, the culture, the people in the world, unbelievers, right? When I talk about world and culture, I'm talking about the systems of our world, the influences of our world. I'm talking about the people of our world who don't believe in Jesus, who are not part of God's family, who are unbelievers. I'm talking about them. Paul says they have suppressed the truth, meaning that the truth has been made available to them and yet they suppress it. They don't want to believe it. They don't want to see it. In fact, they take it and push it aside. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Meaning, that the world is without excuse to know truth because they see it in the created world, meaning they see design, they see the stars in the sky, they see people, they see the animals, and they have to look at it and say, someone created that, someone designed it. But what they do is they suppress the truth. So they say, what? There is no design, no one created it, a big bang, Evolution. Why? Because they suppress the truth. Because they see it. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks to him. The reason why they can't know God and see him and give thanks to God is because why? They suppress the truth. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. When you suppress truth, you become a fool. You look dumb. That's what the Bible, that's Tim's translation of Romans chapter one. 
When you suppress the truth, you look dumb because you say things that are untrue. And guess what? People know it's not true because it doesn't sound right. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchange glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creepy things. Meaning, they suppress the truth, so now they have to worship what? They can't worship God because they can't know him, so they worship what? Creation. So, so in God's good design, he created his identity and purpose to see him, to give him glory, but because sin has marred us, sin has permeated our world, the world suppresses the truth, so now the world needs something to worship because God created us to worship. So what does the world worship? Everything in creation. That's why people find their identity in what? Sexuality. That's why people find their identity in their gender. That's why people find their identity in politics. That's why people find their identity in their children. That's why people find their identity in their marriage. That's why people find their identity in their career, their money, their success. Why? Because God created us to worship. That's how he designed us to be. And when we operate out of God's design, we have to worship something. So we worship the creation. Therefore God, I'm yelling, sorry. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity. So God said, listen, you want to live a life in sin? Go ahead. You're not a robot. Go ahead. Live it up. Live your best life now. And yes, I meant that purposely. Dishonoring their bodies among themselves because, verse 25 they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. What the world says is good. What the world thinks about God's design is a lie. Do not be fooled by them. And God in his mercy and his grace are warning us, right? Like someone who truly loves you and cares about you is not going to affirm your feelings. Oh, you're a great person. You're awesome. You're great. Go get it. Like that's, that's good. That's good that you have people cheering you on. But you also need people to tell you, hey, listen, you're on the wrong path. That's a cliff. That's going to hurt you. You're practicing this thing. That's sinful. You should stop doing that. You're finding your identity in this. You need to stop that. Caution. Are you guarding your heart? There, we live in a culture where you can't speak truth. You can't say hard things to people because they're too sensitive. And here's what happened. They end up living a life in sin. And then 20 years from now, they're over the cliff and they don't know how they got there. Why? Because they weren't listening to the truth. God loves us so much that he's warning us and saying, listen, I love you so much. I care for you. I care for your holiness. I care for your righteousness. I care for your obedience and your submission to me and my design. So I'm going to warn you, don't believe what the world has to say because the world says a lie. And here's what happens when people who believe the world, who believe our culture, who believe the lie, who exchange the truth for a lie, here's what happens. You know what happens? It leads to sin and death. What the world says is good. What the world says about God's good design would ultimately lead you to sin and death. How do I know that? Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. See, 
They exchange the truth for the lie. So now the world says, God's design is not good. Our design, our purpose, our identity is good. And God is saying, that's gonna lead to death. Why? Because God has already said what is good. God's role for a man, God's role for a woman, God's role for a marriage, God's role for children, God's role for us as human beings to thrive and flourish, to have dominion over our creation and not worship our creation is good. But when we believe the lie, Proverbs says, it ends in death. And the opposite is true. The opposite is also true. Like when you believe the truth about God's design, when you find purpose, identity in Christ, when you're on the path of life, you thrive and you flourish. Psalm 1611 says, you will make known to me the way of life. Meaning you're going to show me the direction I need to be in as part of your design, your purpose, your identity for me. And here's the blessing. In your presence is fullness of joy. Meaning, so when you operate, when you function in God's design, when you find your identity in Christ, when you find your purpose and how God designed you to be, you're going to find what? Joy. And what does the psalm say? Fullness of joy. Not a little bit of joy. Not some joy. All of joy. Everything that you can have in joy. And then he says, in your right hand are pledges forever. Meaning when, you, when you're on the path of life, following God's way, God's design, not only do you find joy, you find eternal life. There is a benefit in believing. There is a benefit in trusting in God's good design for you. There's freedom, right? Because when we operate in God's good design, when we find our identity and purpose, and who God made us to be. We're freed from the burden of trying to be the person that we want to be. We are free to be the person that God made us to be. So you don't have to carry the burden of like, I have to find my identity and purpose. God has given you identity. He has given you purpose. Because why? He's created it all. He's designed it for you. You just have to walk in it. And that's freeing for a generation of people who are anxious and fearful about their identity and purpose in life. This is why students are going to hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to find their identity and purpose in their education to come out to be working at Starbucks. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a reality. Makes no sense. When you can find your identity and purpose and who God created you to be. Because we're often trying to find our identity and purpose everywhere else. And God's saying, I have the plan. I can free you from that burden. Do you want to be freed? Yes. Okay. Do you trust my design? While the world is clamoring of what men should be and what women should be and the clash between men and women, toxic masculinity and feminism, God has designed us to be a certain way. We just have to what? Walk in it. Freeing ourselves from the burden of trying to be people that we weren't meant to be. Freeing ourselves from the burden of trying to manipulate the kind of people we want to be. 
there's a benefit. Do you trust God's good design for you? And if you doubt, give me six weeks. We'll go through God's design. And it's okay to doubt. It's okay to have those questions. We live in a sinful and broken world. Let's pray. God, you are the author and perfecter of our faith, but also the author and perfecter of our lives. You are the creator and sustainer of the universe, God. And we ask you to help us to trust your design for us as men and women, married couples, as children. We ask you, Father God, that, that we would operate and walk in the path of your design to bring you glory and honor and not to fall into the trap of suppressing the truth like the world has done and exchange it for a lie. God, would you help us answer these questions? I don't know what's happening in the room. I don't know the problems and situations that our people face here, but I do know this. You have the answers. You have the solutions and you can help us. We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say, this has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.